we claim the name Christian. That means Christ follower. That means Christ like. It means we are to be like him, not say we are his and live the way that we wish. And this is why we don't have peace right now. We have no peace because we do not know the Prince of Peace. Now, remember, I started with that verse and I want to go back to that verse for a moment. I want to I want to go back to that statement that I made as we opened Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Welcome to this week's Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast and I hope that you will bear with me long enough to see where we're going with this conversation. I want to open with a couple of scripture first and I would ask that you listen to all of this. You can make your judgments, whatever you want to make uh, following the podcast, but I ask you to at least listen to what I'm saying because I find myself in a unique position this week. (laughs) I am at complete peace. I am 100% peaceful about the circumstances that we're going through right now, and I'm hoping to share some of that with us today uh, with you. As I've studied, I've been praying and reading and and really embracing this conversation um, and and trying to figure out the best place and, and way we can approach it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, I want to remember that. I want to focus on that. And I want you to remember most notably the lean not on your own understanding part. We'll come back to that. And and we will return to it. So bear with me. I'm, I'm starting there, however, because I also ask you again just to please listen to what I'm saying and do not dismiss this conversation. Because I have spent the time praying, reading, studying over the past few days, seeking God. And I am truly at peace, as I said. And so my hope is that through this, I can help you reach some sort of peace in your life as well. Now, as I start and as we have this conversation, this is the only part about this that I'm really going to talk about politics. And I'm not even going to get into the mixture of who, what, when, where and how. My, my statement is this. I have to admit, first and foremost, before I go any farther where I come from because I used to love politics. I used to really get involved. I used to love them so much that I took political science classes. I I took government law classes. I took uh, civil or civics classes. I took those things that, you know, led me through the political science scheme of things in some ways as electives. <laughs> that sounds weird, right? But hear me. I took them as electives because I was interested in the process. I was interested in the conversations. I was interested in those things. And I loved the back and forth of that game. I loved the political debates. I loved talking about the things that were going on. But as it came down to it over the last few years, I have felt convicted over that love for that that I had. I have grown to despise this political game, not only because we see it in our churches as well as we see it 
in the world around us, in everything, in businesses. Politics plays a huge part in our lives. But I've realized that it's not a game. It's an obsession. Politics have become an obsession. Now, in my opinion, politics have become the fastest growing religion in the world. Especially over the last eight years. Eight to 12, maybe even 20. I think if we want to look at, but either way, especially in America, but throughout the world, politics has become a religion. It has grown as a religion. And here's why. Before you get angry at that statement, bear with me and I'll break this down for you. Okay. First, politics have destroyed families, churches, friendships, communities, and continues to grow. So why am I calling it a religion? There is a political God who is paraded out, stands for everything the party aligns with. That God is in support of every decision and platform stance that this party stands for. And that God is behind everything and is thrown into the mix in almost every conversation. We hear them talk about God's will for this or that. Candidates, parties, platforms will use God as their example. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some who are following the true God of Israel. But continue to listen. Because there is a political savior or Messiah that is then paraded out as the candidate that's going to save the country, that's going to save the people. They'll fix what's wrong in the world. And if necessary, they will do it alone. Folks, the congregation of this political religion are the people. They fall in line. They worship this savior. They carry this image. They push this agenda and they will fight to the death over the ideologies that their savior stands for. They even become consumed by it. And I want to stop right there and say this. All of this is worldly. Now, you may be sitting there kind of angry about what I'm saying, but please bear with me. Sometimes political parties will even use the Bible. We've seen that happen in the last few months. They will use the Bible as a guide, but they will cherry pick the scripture and they will share it in an attempt to make it look like the God of Israel, the God of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. That God is the one that is behind them. So let me explain why I feel that it is a religion. The definition of religion, the best definition that I have found is a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies, usually involving devotional and ritual observances and often containing a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs. Folks, that definition of religion is politics it is the political game it is the definition of politics it is exactly what is taking place in the world around us literally politics have become a religion now as i said i think on an earlier podcast it wasn't until i put religion and the tradition of christ that i found the relationship with christ the savior 
that I so desperately needed. And that savior was not a political party or platform. It was not an ideology. It was not a candidate. The savior was Jesus Christ. The savior was, is, and always will be Jesus Christ. Now, I know there are many who are listening who maybe uh, do get involved in politics, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, and I'll get to that in a moment as well, but I want to say it from here. This is where this comes from for me today. The issue that I have been struggling with myself during this time is that many are trying to do so much to fight for this Christian God while using him to push their political agenda. And it's a dangerous place for us to be because politics is not the God who created the world. The political God is not the God of creation. The political God is a man-made creation and changes according to the tides that come through the parties and through the platforms and through the candidates. Each party, candidate, and agenda have their own God that backs their stance 100%, and they will argue tooth and nail with you of what that God looks like. I came across a quote a while back when I was studying, uh, and, and you even did a podcast about taking a Sabbath, and it, it alludes to the busyness of our lives and and being able to put things aside and rest and Vance Havner said some of us would do more for the Lord if we did less some of us would do more for the Lord if we did less I sure if we make our lives less busy and I I can attest to that I have done that in my own life if we make our lives less busy we have more time for God right we have more time to do the things that the Lord is leading us to do but hear me out if we would stop doing so much in the name of God that is of our opinion without praying and seeking his guidance and leadership in the issue and just rest in him we could do so much more for him now as it stands we're dangerously close to pushing away those who we are to be pulling in we're to be making disciples not pushing them aside and saying well i don't care if they're not in my life if they don't see things my way i'm done with them it starts with our relationship with christ we are christian we claim the name christian that means christ follower that means christ like it means we are to be like him not say we are his and live the way that we wish and this is why we don't have peace right now we have no peace because we do not know the prince of peace now remember i started with that verse and i want to go back to that verse for a moment i want to i want to go back to that statement that i made as we opened proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding what is our understanding Each one of us has an understanding about where things should be. When we read something, we read it with our understanding. The thing about our relationship with Christ is that sometimes we must be willing to put our understanding to the side. Sometimes we must be willing to push aside our understanding for the greater good of knowing that God is in control. Now, what I'm trying to say in all of this, there are so many more scripture in God's word that tell us to wait on the Lord. 
than to proactively fight for his kingdom. Every time there's a battle in God's word, when we look at these battles, one of the things we recognize is that God is the one fighting on behalf of his people. God is the one who is leading them into the battles and he is winning the battles for them. Anytime that man tried to go into battle on their own accord, they failed and they fell miserably. And, and I'm just talking scripturally here. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not coming against our military or anything like that in this statement. I'm saying I do believe that we as God's children must be aware of what's going on. See, where we're at in all of this right now is a difficult place. Where we're at in all of this right now is a place of where we are trying to trust our understanding. We're trying to trust our means. Listen, when the Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding, it means that your heart is deceitful. It means that your emotions will get the best of you. It means that they will fluctuate, that they will, you will not see the bigger picture. Stephen Curtis Chapman released a song, God is God and I am not. I can only see a part of the picture he's painting. And I've alluded to this before, I believe. But what I'm saying is this. There is a bigger picture that we are a part of. Think of life as a puzzle. And you are one piece of that bigger puzzle. You are just one piece. And sure, you fit in with other pieces. Those pieces will fit, but sometimes that's not where you fit. You might fit in, but is that where you belong? You see, but even more than that, sometimes we try to force our way in when we don't even fit. Sometimes we try to find a place for ourselves rather than finding those who look like us, those who we fellowship with, those that we do fit perfectly with because God has ordained that to be fit together and then one day we will be able to look back and see the entire puzzle when it's put together but until then unfortunately we're only going to see just a small part of the picture that God is painting the picture that God is putting together that part may include us it might include those who God has put around us but folks politics is breaking all of this up because politics has become a religion. People are worshiping at the throne of politics rather than worshiping Christ, our Savior. Now, as I mentioned, we have no peace because we do not know the Prince of Peace. What do I mean by that statement? I mean Isaiah 9, 6. No, it's not Christmas, but I want to read this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, there's an important statement in that. The government will be on his shoulders. So, if for some reason, here's the deal. Christ is the prince of peace. And the government will be on his shoulders. Well, I, I get two images mentally with this. One, like the child who is riding on the dad's shoulders or 
the child who gets up on the shoulders of of a grown uh, person to to be carried or whatever. You know, it's a it's an easy place to carry a child if you make sure that they're stable. But even more than that, you've got the conversation in the Christ is carrying us. You also have the yoke that Jesus talks about. Come unto me, all who are weary, weak, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Well, that yoke is worn across the shoulders. So if the government is on his shoulders, that yoke of government needs to be carried by Christ as well. And not pushed through by the will of man. So here we are, and we're looking at all of this thing, and I really can't think of a single thing in the world that the world may need to hear more, but will never be ready to hear than this conversation today. So think about all of these things. I mean, this past week reminds us that we might look like we're at peace sometimes, but we're really not. It reminds us that, you know, we don't need a terrorist threat to throw off our peace there's there's a home somewhere right now where a mom and dad aren't getting along they've been threatening divorce and neither of them really wants it but they don't know how to get the fighting to stop and neither do their kids there's a place somewhere right now where someone's so distraught over the results of this election and over the the anxiety and and the anxiousness that they are scared to death about what tomorrow may hold. There's a high school student who's feeling harassed, pushed around by the worry of what everyone thinks of him. Meanwhile, he's still trying to figure out what he thinks of himself. There's a political activist who's struggling with this peaceful protest conversation. There's someone who is may be viewed by society as marginal who feels that injustice that injustice has been done to them there's a man at a job he really doesn't like and it's stressing him out as the company puts more and more on him and expects him to just keep doing it there's a single mom trying to make the finances work out she didn't plan for her life to be this way but here she is there's an elderly lady living by herself Her family doesn't really keep track of her and her retirement isn't going to last. Life seems to have fewer reasons for her to have peace. And yet in two months we will have bells ringing. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. (laughs) A month and a half even. We're almost to the Christmas season and there's a lot of folks that are playing Christmas music and we're hearing this over and over and over and over again. Hark the herald angels sing. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Or are they going to remove that because it might be offensive? That we hope for unity. I don't know. I'm not speaking to politics right now. I'm speaking to our lives in general. It is not religion. It is relationship. It is not. If we want to know peace, we have to know the Prince of Peace. It's the only way. I mean, when we 
hear those words, peace on earth and goodwill to men? Are, are we in some sort of delusional mindset? Are we in a delusional escape? Are we in this, like, if I sit here and tell you today that I am at complete peace, am I delusional? No. I don't think so. I mean, I'm no genius, but, but what message could be more desirable than peace on earth right now, right? The whole Bible is a message about a wonderful plan of peace. It started in Genesis and is yet to conclude. All along the way, there are previews about the coming peace. Sure enough, on the night Jesus was born, the angels come and they announce good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Now, Hear this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men whom his favor rests, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It is in keeping with that great news that I, I want us to consider different parts of this, the scripture for this conversation. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. There will be peace upon whom his favor rests. That is the message of the angels the day that Jesus was born. That is what the angels laid out for the world. They set forth this message of peace, this message of opportunity of peace. Listen, the fact of Jesus' ministry on earth, it all looks back to that original announcement of who he was. Now, this may not be Christmas, but I want to share the story of Christmas because that story of Christmas is still alive and it ends at the cross. It doesn't end at the cross. It ends at the resurrection and it will end when we return to be with him, when he comes and takes us home. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now. What on earth am I talking about, right? What on earth could I be talking about in this conversation? Well. Let me tell you. Verse 13 of Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And this is a beautiful conversation for us. And it ends with verse 17. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now, if I continue the conversation here for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. 
You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with saints and members of God's household. We are members of the kingdom of God. The mission of Jesus on earth was a mission of peace. And we talk about this peace on earth throughout the Christmas season. But do we really understand what it means? The good news about Jesus was first given to the Jewish people. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the promised one to arrive. And he took that message to them. The angels proclaimed that message. It was a a natural, wonderful transition in their relationship with God. But many of the Jews didn't see any room for non-Jews in this plan. Or if there was room, it was that there was the Christian and or the Jew, you know, the follower. And then the second rate member of their society. Folks, we are one. We are not divided by these dividing lines that we have that we have claimed as our identification. Our identification should be in Christ. That is truly where we sit today. I mean, if we think about this, the feelings between the Jews and non-Jews have often been tense. And it didn't just start happening in the last hundred years. It's been going on since first century. The Jews held a contempt for everyone who was not Jewish and vice versa. We do see that today, but now let's bring that to where we are in our lives. We hold a contempt for everyone who doesn't see things our way. Again, lean not on your own understanding. I mean, can you think about this for a minute? This is the type thing that was going on in Israel at the time. A Jewish woman as a midwife would refuse to help a woman have a have their baby if that baby was a Gentile for fear of being unclean. Cities and colonies all over the Roman kingdom were full of non-Jews. And as the church grew, these people found themselves being invited to become Christians. But Jews were deceived by their own understanding. Their understanding was, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. I, you can't be part of this. You don't qualify. That's not what God says. We, we effectively disqualify people in our own minds because of our own understanding today. The separation between uh, us and them, this us and them mentality, that separation is social, it's physical, religious, national, racial, whatever we may want to look at on that. But many of the Christians who had previously been Jews made it clear that non-Jewish people weren't on the same level when it came to being okay in God's eyes. But meanwhile, back in Ephesus, which was a Roman city where many of its non-Jewish residents had become followers of Jesus, Paul writes a letter to encourage them. And he also talks about how the non-Jews find a place of belonging in the church. Now, listen to me today, because many of us in the church do not qualify according to these Jewish standards. But here we are. And now we're applying the same standards to those that we do not agree with in the world around us today. We need to hear this and hear it well. 
it gives us great encouragement for people who are outsiders to realize that God accepts them. It also urges those who are insiders to not hold their status over anyone else. The outsiders are welcome and the insiders are not to hold a status over anyone else. It's not to be a country club or a clique. Ephesians 2 chapter or Ephesians 2 verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Verse 12, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, you who once were far away have been brought near. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away. Verse 19, you were no longer foreigners and aliens. These non-Jews were now welcome according to Paul. Folks, everyone is welcome according to God's word. They must face the choice to choose between Christ and the world. Not you. You can't choose it for them. You can't say, well, they're they're living this life and they just do not deserve to be part of our family. Who says? Until they reject the gospel of Christ. It's not for you to judge them. So what should we do? We should live our lives as examples today. I've been thinking about this text. I've been thinking about this 2000 year heritage of being God's chosen people that we've now translated into being Christians. And what would it have been like for those insiders to read about how God accepts them into his kingdom? The people that are far away. What would it have been like? Because Ephesians is not written to the Jews, right? It's written to the other guys. And and that's the Gentiles. But I find other another dynamic work going on today a tendency that we have as english-speaking americans or or christians as as church members who who meet on this side of you know we we meet in a building and and i think we could probably gain more insight from this if we would just you know take this opportunity flip it around and think of ourselves as the insiders who sometimes need to be convinced as I've been alluding to. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Jesus brings peace on earth to the people by taking away privilege and exclusivism. Exclusivism. Jesus takes away our privilege. He takes away our exclusivism. The temple in Jerusalem was surrounded by several courtyards. Priests could only enter the innermost courtyard. Men who could men could go as far as the courtyard outside that women were then outside of that courtyard. It was surrounded by a wall to keep the women out, to keep the non-Jews out. There were only two stones surviving from those walls today. And and they're they're Thanatos stones. They are after the Greek word for death that because the message inscribed on them accented with red paint translated something like this no man of alien race is to enter within the barricade which surrounds the temple anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for the penalty of death that follows we have given a death warrant to people who we think do not belong 
in our walls. If you'd been in the temple, you knew about that dividing wall and the threat of what would happen if you dared to cross it. I wonder if this was written especially for the former Jews. Because Paul said that Jesus was destroyed. He destroyed the barrier between the Jews and the non-Jews. He destroyed that wall. He broke down the barrier that kept the separation there. No longer would outsiders be outsiders because no longer was the old covenant the key to a person's relationship with God. It doesn't mean that Jesus came to abolish the old way. He abolished the wall that divided man from man. Jesus came to abolish the wall. But we don't have to make people on the outside feel like they can't fit in. We know one another, folks. We might be related to others. We tend to have our own vocabulary within the church. We've got the potluck meals. We've got Sunday school fellowship grace. We have all of these things within the church. But we have traditions, music, and heritage that goes back over 150 years just with a church family. We could take it back to the third century when we heard, you know, we could take it all the way back. The thing is, is that the difference between us and these things, not one of these things in our traditions is necessarily a bad thing. Many of those things have helped us grow in our faith. But the problem is, is that we get so entrenched, so consumed by those things that we start to make others feel like they could never fit in. Well, let's take that conversation. And let's go back to what I said about politics being a religion, because here's where we are. We are taking these things about the church and we're now applying them to the world. Well, you don't fit in our political party and you never will. Well, this candidate doesn't fit into this place and he never should. This person doesn't fit this mold and she can't be a part of what we're doing we don't have to abandon all traditions all words that someone might not understand music buildings whatever but we do need to be intentional about helping people see that they do belong within the body folks we are allowing way too many things divide us we were allowing way too many things divide to divide us the second thing that jesus does to bring us peace is he meets our universal need he offers forgiveness through his blood thinking of pandemics since we've been dealing with one let's talk about ebola back in 2014 it didn't matter if the person was a citizen of sierra leone or an american healthcare worker anyone that was affected with the life-threatening condition the seriousness of the situation was the same for every infected person sin is like those infections we talk about pandemic sin is the greatest and most deadly pandemic in the world from the beginning of time what do i mean it's been going on since day one since the day that Adam and Eve ate from that tree and sin is a death warrant unless you repent. There is one cure for sin and God has told us what it is. Repent. Come to him. Confess your sins. Seek his face. Turn from your wicked ways. He'll forgive your sin and he, he will then heal your land. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. Your sin must be forgiven for your land to be healed. 
No matter how good anyone might be, the fact is we all have the same problem. No matter how great a candidate might be, no matter how great a platform might be, we all have the same problem. Hear me, it's sin. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us is in trouble if we were standing before the court of God today. Every one of us is in need of the forgiveness that Jesus paid on the cross. American or not, young or old, east side, west side, naughty, nice, gangbanger, college student, retired widow, bank president, or blue collar worker. Everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. We do not have to worry about these worldly politics because it's been nailed to the cross. Jesus is the living water and he wants us to drink of the same cup as everyone else. A lot of us are sin sick. You know what an illness does to you when you see someone that's sick and you've, they've been sick for a while and you can just tell the toll that it's taken on the body. Sin is much the same way. Sin is a slow-moving cancer that, that, that eventually will eat the body alive. And it will break you down, turn you into the absolute, it will change you. There's only one cure and it's Jesus Christ. It makes good sense that we would develop relationships, uh, fellowships with one another because we're going through the same thing, unity among the body of Christ. How did Jesus also bring peace? He proclaimed the same peace to everyone. He didn't. The same offer was made to everyone. He preached peace to those who were far and those who were near. So what is God offering to us? We're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people in God's household, right? We are citizens of the kingdom of God. This world's not our home. We're citizens of a different home. A home that brings us together, that unifies us. If we claim his blood today, we are unified under that blood. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 19 again. Citizens, no longer foreigners and aliens, no longer just a green card. You get to be part of God's kingdom. This is Ephesians 2. Members of God's household, part of a family. You're not just a guest around a table or someone invited overnight. You belong. You can walk in. You can go to the refrigerator if you want to. You don't have to knock or ring the doorbell. Just open the door and come in. Then verses 20 through 22, it talks about God's building. The word here is more uh, one used often of the innermost part of the temple, the most holy place, the holy of holies where God lives. So what happens when the invitation to become all of these things is issued to every person, regardless of how close or how far they have been? Well, it's like an adopted child. You take a child into your home, he comes to live with you. She, she moves in. You know, you take this child in. 
they've been moved around maybe if they come from an orphanage or foster care. Maybe they've moved around five, six, seven times over a five-year, ten-year period. No real concept of family. No sense of a home to call their own. No place to settle down. Now, you may not be the best family, but you understand what a person's needs are. A person needs a place to belong, right? A place where they plan to settle in. A place to be a legitimate part of the family. Sometimes people confuse the invitation to heaven with who's going to heaven. Jesus died for everyone. Jesus invites everyone. And that sounds like a universal fix for everyone, right? I mean, we're talking about universal fixes for different things right now. Let's talk about this. You know, sometimes listen, you get the invitations in the mail, like graduation invitation, wedding invitation, party invitations, whatever. And, and sometimes they want you to RSVP. Sometimes they'll even care so much that you RSVP that they'll send you the self-addressed stamped envelope, right? Well, that envelope, um, you fill out the card and maybe you just don't say yes to everything. Maybe you just don't want to go. And you check the sorry, I'm going to miss it box on that and send it back. I mean, they cared enough to put a stamp in there, right? I mean, an invitation is just that. It's just an invitation. Not everyone will accept the invitation. But that invitation has gone out to every single person that we run into every single day. We do not need to be divided on political issues, on what candidate did this or that. Folks, we are allowing these things to destroy our peace. Christ's purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. The two in this conversation are you and Christ. And that is the same for each one of us. Jesus went to the cross to die on the cross so that you and I could become one with him so that we could stand unblemished before the Father one day. Now remember I said let's go back to a couple of these conversations and we're going to wrap it up with this. One, the lean not on your own understanding. I hope I've done well to explain that to you today. Because these are not my words. Our understanding is a worldly understanding. So many of us are so wrapped up in the understanding that we have because we look around us in this world to see what we see and we make our assumptions and our understandings from that. Folks, with all the lies and the deceit that is going around us in the world today, with all the different numbers of stories that we, we could open up the internet right now and if we have a political standpoint, we can search the internet and find an article that stands by that. Folks, I, I did some research the other day looking at some of these news sites and a majority of these articles that people are sharing, the majority of the articles that people really buy into are opinion pieces, which means they are someone's opinion and they've written an article about it to put it out there. All it means is that someone agrees with your standpoint. What it doesn't mean is that it's the right standpoint. 
but I can find an article to back me up on everything. I could find an opinion piece to back my point of view up, but because it comes from this source or that source, it's credible and everyone needs to understand. Jesus' invitation is universal because the need is universal. But the acceptance of the invitation is clearly not universal. The outcome isn't the same for everyone. Some will be saved, some will not. And it simply depends on people's response. But Christ died on the cross to reconcile us to God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, there's the quote uh, Anselm said uh, that I don't, strive to understand so that I will believe I believe so that I will understand that statement is a major statement for us today because that is where we are our understanding will fail us our understanding is in is a man-made understanding it is us trying to put something that's solid in front of us to something that is not our faith is our sight our faith is how we go forward. Our faith is a trust in the things we do not see. A hope in the things we long for. So how do we go about doing this? Well, the second part of that, verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I think that's a vital place for us to understand today. I think it's a good opportunity for us to understand today. Like I said, I would return to it. And I'll also return to this. Some of us would do more for the Lord if we did less. We need to stop claiming the name of God for every opinion that we push forward. We need to find peace in the fact. And the, and the reason I say that is because, hear me, we're, we're trying to find peace in this world, right? The peace that passes understanding, Philippians 4, 17. May the peace that passes all understanding be yours in Christ Jesus. I mean, it's from God and ours through Christ. But even more than that, some of us would do more for the Lord if we would shut up. Some of us would do more for the Lord if we would listen instead of act. Some of us would do more for the Lord if we weren't so adamant about the opinion we carry. Because we're operating in our own understanding and we're in fact pushing people away rather than drawing them in. No, it's not my place to draw you in. But it is my hope that through the Holy Spirit, working in me, that you will be drawn in by the Spirit of God. Folks, we've got to understand today, this is where we are in this world. Until we fully understand what's going on around us because of the Spirit's understanding, we will not know peace. Now, I want to come back to one little thing. And I want to end it this way. I am at peace and I am a hundred percent at peace. I have no 
concerns right now about the things that are going on around us in this world. And I don't mean that to, to point fingers or anything else. I mean that in this. I have found comfort in the past few days and I want to share it with you in this way. We have a choice to make. Where does our dependence lie? Where is your dependence today? Do you depend on God or do you depend on a political ideology? Do you depend on a platform or do you depend on the God of the universe? Do you depend on a candidate or do you depend on the creator of the world? Joshua twenty four fifteen. Joshua does not force his opinion on anyone. All Joshua says is this. He says, look, choose for you this day who you will worship. Are you going to worship the God of your ancestors? Are you going to worship the God of the Amorites? Or me and my family, we're going to worship the God of Israel. Now, I say this to you today. Choose for yourself today who you will worship. Are you going to worship the God of politics of this party? Or the God of this party? Or, you know, I choose for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. There's two things we can choose to do. And it's a choice between them. And it's going to dictate where we go from here. We can either decompress or we can decompose. If we decompress, we choose to deescalate the situation in our own mind. It's not that we're not aware of what's going on. It's not that you're not paying attention. It is that you are choosing peace over anger and discouragement. You are resting in the prince of peace today. It's choosing peace over worry. Resting in the prince of peace. But if we choose to decompose, and I'm not talking death here. I'm talking about us literally allowing our composure to crumble beneath us. It means that we lose our composure. We allow the stresses and worries to destroy us mentally, ultimately physically, because as I said, it will wear you down. The side effects of stress and anxiety, right? But I find hope in Christ and I encourage you today, choose to decompress, choose to allow Christ to let you decompress through this. His words to not worry about tomorrow. His words showing us that God cares about us and will provide our needs. His words that tell us to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We can find peace in tumultuous times by trusting that we, that we don't understand and it's okay. The hard part is this. We struggle because of our desire to understand and when, we, and when things don't go our way, we argue, we fight, we become angry to try to show others why they are wrong. We become obsessed, not with following God, but with finding others to stand with us so that we can win the fight. Folks, there is no fight. The greatest victory human history has ever seen was won on a cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on the cross. Not for your sins and my sins alone but for the sins of the world. And the government was on his shoulders. As was everything else. And he took it to the cross. 
You want to know something interesting about Jesus? And this is where we're losing sight in this political conversation is the fact that politics tells us take care of you first. If it affects you, then it's important to you. Jesus took care of everything else first. Look at the cross. It wasn't until God's plan was fulfilled and Jesus had taken care of the needs of his mother and his friends and everyone else that he was there for. That Jesus then recognized his own need. That he was thirsty. When the plan was done, then Jesus asked for his own need. Before that, Jesus was all about taking care of the world and the world alone. Think about all of that today as you go through the day that you've got. Simply, I want to end it with this story, the story of Elisha and his servant, the story where Elisha had, you know, they're searching for Elisha, and it's in 2 Kings 6 if you need it. But Elisha is is speaking, you know, he's, he's sharing the gospel, he's sharing the good news, he's sharing God to the people. And Elisha is being sought by the government. The king sends an army after him. Well, the morning comes and the army overnight had made their way. Uh, they, had, they had traveled to come and bring anger. They, they had traveled to come and bring trouble to Elisha and his servants. And the servant wakes up. He sees the armies on the hillside. And he goes to Elisha and he says, what shall we do? And Elisha looks at him. He says, don't be afraid. Those that are with us are greater than those that are with them. In essence, he's saying we outnumber them. Then rather than try to fight the battle, rather than try to push his agenda, rather than try to do anything else, Elisha then goes to the Lord. And he prays the prayer. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And upon that prayer, the servant then saw that they were surrounded by multitudes of angel armies ready and able to protect. Folks, Jesus told us in this world we would have trouble, but fear not, he has overcome the world. As I said, the greatest victory was ever won was won on the cross at Calvary. But today, our prayer simply needs to be the same as the prayer of Elisha. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see. Amen. Peace be with each of you. And we hope you have a blessed and wonderful day. I, I hope you find peace through this tumultuous time. But I'm always able and willing. If somebody needs to contact me, feel free to do so. But please understand, peace doesn't come from us striving to find it on our own. No ideology, no, no gain that this world will ever give us will lead us to peace today. But peace comes from God and from the Prince of Peace alone. I hope that this helps you find peace in this time. Just know God is good. But treat one another with respect. Follow the word of God. Stand for the injustices of the world.
Stand against the injustices that are going on around us. Stand for those who are being treated badly. Feed the hungry. Remember what Jesus said. What you did to the least of these, you've done unto me. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Great week. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Aren't.